Welcome back. This week, we are going to get into part two of why you tolerate too much disrespect. If you recall, last week, we went through the responses that I received to a poll that I took on Instagram asking you guys what you felt like was the reason why you tolerate too much disrespect, why you over-communicate, why you put up with too much. Now, I received so many submissions that we needed to do a part one and a part two to tackle all of the different ways in which you guys are perceiving your own behavior patterns and where you are getting a little bit jammed up in respecting yourself. So we covered things last week like your your hatred for conflict or your fear of conflict uh, because you have unresolved childhood trauma, such as, you know, you're overcompensating for the behavior that was modeled to you. Uh, you struggle with people pleasing, things like that are what we went into last week. So be sure if you haven't listened to last week's episode, you get to it. It doesn't matter what order you listen to these two in because it's not going to make a difference. But make sure you get into that one as well because it does cover a wide variety of different reasons behind why you might be tolerating too much disrespect from the relationships you have in your life. And keep in mind, when I reference relationships, I don't just mean romantic. I do mean anything from romance to uh, your workplace colleagues, to your family, to your friends. So the first one I want to get into is a really good one. And I think it's a it's a common one. It's one that a lot of you are going to relate to, especially if you let your empathy and compassion get the better of you. This person says that they tend to tolerate too much mistreatment or disrespect because they try to see it from the other person's point of view and then change their feelings about it. Now, I've got a lot to say about this, so hang tight. Being able to think and feel beyond yourself is a wonderful, valuable, mature quality to have. It means you have emotional intelligence. It means you have the ability to think beyond yourself. That is huge. That is so important. You know why? Because what's the opposite of that? The opposite of that is I'm self-centered. I can't see or think beyond me and how something is impacting me. So this quality that this person has or skill set, we could say, that this person has is a really good one. It's an important one. It's going to harm you if you don't have boundaries around it. If you don't have any boundaries around your empathy and compassion ever, then you're always going to feel drained. You're always going to feel like you're self-abandoning, self-sacrificing, losing yourself to other people's feelings, beliefs, perceptions. So what you want to be able to do is you want to be able to entertain somebody else's POV right? You want to entertain, you want to have space to be able to see, feel, and hear how something impacted another person. That is good. What you don't want to do 
is allow their feelings, their perception, their perspective, their emotions, their whatever, right? All of their stuff to have you immediately self-sacrifice and self-abandon. So what's the in-between? Like what skill do we need to insert in there so that doesn't happen? Yes, a boundary. But what does that boundary look and feel like for you when you're doing it? Let's start with the foundation here. You have to be clear on what you value, right? So I can listen to a dozen different perspectives on a subject, but I stay connected to me because I am connected to what I value, right? So what I believe, what I think, right? And I trust that because there's that deep-rooted connection to why I believe what I believe, why I think what I think, why I feel what I feel, right? And that comes from the process that I always talk about, that I teach in my courses, which is getting clear on your values and getting clear on the ripple effect of why you value what you value. Again, when I'm talking about values, I'm talking about why do you want what you want? Why do you feel what you feel? Why do you think what you think? Why do you believe what you believe, right? So as you've learned probably throughout listening to this podcast or even taking my courses, is that some foundational skills you need in order to stay connected to these things are you need to trust yourself and you need to have boundaries. If I don't trust myself, I'm not going to agree with myself. I'm not going to be able to self-validate. I'm not going to believe myself when I say this makes me feel this way, good or bad, right? I need the boundary because once I agree with myself, then I'm able to respect myself and uphold what it is that I feel, need, want, or value. Now, if you did listen to last week's episode, right, part one of this, then I believe, I do believe I mentioned this in this ep- in that episode because I had just seen Barbara <laughs> prior to recording that, uh, what I what I mentioned was she taught me something that I find to be very powerful, and that is that you can try on other people's perspectives, right? So you can hear and listen to anybody say how they feel, what they think, what they want, what they need about anything. And you run it through that self-filter. You've heard me talk about this in countless different episodes. You run it through this self-filter where if you liken it to going and trying on clothes, you're pulling clothes off the rack, right? Well, in this case, somebody's like handing them to you. You go into the changing room, you try them on, you see if they fit. And by fit in this context, we mean, do they align with what you think, what you feel, what you value? If they don't, but you can still understand where someone's coming from, you can then communicate that, but you don't have to self-abandon, you don't have to self-sacrifice, right? So when I give it to you in that type of breakdown and we go back to this individual's uh, submission as to why they put up with a lot of mistreatment and disrespect, their problem on the surface is that they easily self-abandon because they don't have boundaries around their empathy and compassion. The deeper part of that is that they don't have boundaries around their self-compassion 
or I'm sorry, around their compassion. <laughs> I'm saying a lot of words, guys. <laughs> they don't have boundaries around their compassion and their empathy that are clear, uh, clearly defined and connected to what they value if they are easily self-abandoning the minute they entertain and can empathize and relate to somebody else's POV. On a similar front, somebody else commented, I tolerate too much mistreatment because I could be wrong. (laughs) I could be wrong about how I'm perceiving somebody and I don't want to, hold on, I'm going to pull it up so I get the words right. Because I could be wrong about how I perceive people and I don't want to assume the worst. That's an admirable thing to say, right? I agree. I know from my uh, trauma that I easily believe the negative over the positive any day of the week. It's way more believable. (laughs) It is. (laughs) I know a lot of you relate. It's so much easier to believe the negative over the positive. So I get the thought process of saying that I don't, want to be wrong about how I perceive people. Here's the thing what is that 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 really you want to learn, okay? Right? Cuz I don't want to be wrong about how I perceive people is kind of an all-encompassing statement. You're going to be wrong sometimes. You're going to misperceive people sometimes and you got to get comfortable with that. That happens in relationships, that happens in your the closest most intimate relationships. And you know, to this day, like there are times where I misperceive something that Phil has done or my best friend has done or a family member has done, right? Or said or whatever. We all do that from time to time. We're human. We're flawed. We're going to miscommunicate. We're going to misperceive. So that's number one in that equation. You want to get comfortable with being wrong. Don't expect yourself to be right. That's a perfectionism thing we want to eliminate right now. You're going to be wrong sometimes. You're going to be wrong in your judgment, you're going to be, you're going to get triggered. These things don't go away. Again, you're human and you're flawed. Like don't overlook that statement and, and how powerful and, and valid it actually is. You're human and you're flawed. Nobody is right a hundred percent of the time, no matter how much I joke (laughs) that I think I am. I know I'm joking when I say it, because the truth is, is I'm the first to admit when I see that I'm wrong and I'm the first to cop to it when someone points it out to me and I try it on for size and I go, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. I was wrong to perceive it this way. I was wrong to respond this way. I was wrong in my, you know, in my assumption, whatever it was. Uh, I don't want to assume the worst. So there's an awareness that you are capable of assuming the worst. I think really and truly we all have that ability to assume the worst, but the self-awareness is always step one. So the fact that you are aware that you have the ability to see the worst in people is important. Step two, though, is understanding why. Where does that come from? Did somebody growing up always see the worst in you? Is that why you default to doing that or you fear defaulting to doing that? Those are some things that you definitely want to reflect on if that is what you're you're struggling with and that is what 
you are questioning about yourself. All right, on to the next one. Somebody submitted and said that they have the tendency to let people cross their boundaries and not indicate that their boundary was crossed. And then the rest of the message was cut off, but I can only assume that it follows with either they want to cut the person off or they get angry or they lash out or they resent the person. Fill it in with one or all three of those because it could be any of them. The truth is, is that you have to let people know where their limits are. It's so unfair. You put them at such a disadvantage. Do you know any relationships I've been in of different kinds? Again, not all romantic, of different kinds where I know everybody has boundaries. Does that mean everybody sits down and does boundary setting work the way I teach it? No, right? So a lot of people have boundaries. Actually, everybody has boundaries because everybody has limitations, right? Everybody has a a certain amount of bandwidth. Everybody has things that are a yes for them and a no for them. Therefore, the entire world, each individual in the entire world has a boundary. Now, whether they're aware of it, they communicate it, or they uphold it is a whole different ballgame. But let's say you are aware of your boundaries. Maybe or maybe not you've communicated them. But somebody oversteps and you don't speak up. You don't advocate for yourself. Well, what does that tell me about you? That tells me that you are scared about speaking up. Now, why? Could that be because you don't know how to? Maybe. Could that be because nobody's ever modeled what self-respect looks and sounds like to you? Possibly. Does that mean... Perhaps you might be fearing conflict, backlash, abandonment from the other person, maybe the silent treatment or some other type of abusive behavior. Again, a possibility. If you are not upholding a boundary by speaking up, and again, this is very context specific because yes, there are boundaries, and I talk about this in the boundary setting course, okay? There are going to be boundaries that you don't actually need to speak up about, but those are very specific contexts and really and truly, they're few and far between. The majority of your boundaries do need to be communicated to other people and do need to be communicated again when that boundary is overstepped, when that boundary gets breached. Because if they're not, then what happens is you start to resent people. Why? Well, your resentment comes from overgiving. So if you're going to allow people to overstep and not let them know they're overstepping, guess what message you're sending them? It's okay, you keep doing that to me, but I hate you for it. I'm not happy about it. I'm holding in all of my emotions and my words on it because I'm not telling you about it. And then maybe I just get distant with you or I start acting funny. People pick up on that, believe it or not. And if you've been through any type of trauma or abuse, you're going to be very sensitive like I am to behavioral changes. Very sensitive to the point where at times you may even feel paranoid. 
But the truth is you detected a change in behavior and you are sensitive to it because in the past, a change in behavior meant something really bad. Also, don't hate me for this one, but you not letting somebody know that they've overstepped a boundary is you sabotaging that relationship for yourself because you're setting them up for failure. If you don't let them know, and if your attitude is, well, they should have known, that's a bad attitude to have. They don't know. Clear, if clearly they don't know. Not everybody is doing things deliberately and maliciously. And I'll tell you what, 95% of the population is not doing things deliberately or maliciously to you. They're doing it because it's a trauma response. They're doing it because it's a default pattern that they've long become accustomed to. They're doing it because they lack awareness. They're doing it because they lack emotional intelligence. There's so many other reasons. Not everybody is is behaving badly because they are a vindictive, malicious person and they know it and they're doing it deliberately to hurt you. Those people do exist. They're just few and far between. And I can say that because I've been doing this work for well over 10 years at this point. And I have talked to people all over the world from different cultures, different genders, the whole nine yards. And the majority of people are good people at their core. But when you've been through trauma and abuse, you don't see it that way. And I get it because I didn't see it that way for a long time either. So if anything, take it as a sign of hope that I'm sitting here telling you because I would have been the first one to, to, to high five you and been like, they're fucking evil. But they're not. <laughs> they're not. They're not all of them are, you know, the whole hurt people, hurt people thing. Yes, hurt people do hurt people. Also, traumatized people can hurt people. People who are trying to heal can hurt people. Good people can hurt people. People just hurt people sometimes, and they're not always doing it on purpose. The next submission is from somebody who has taken my course And they said that they don't have a limit on giving people the benefit of the doubt, but they learned from my course that three times max is a good limit to set. So let's talk about this real quick, right? Because people deserve grace. You want it too. Don't lie. You want it too. You want people to be understanding You want people to be empathetic. You want people to have compassion towards you and understand where you're coming from and what you've been through. You want all of those things from other people. You know what that means? You have to extend it too. But where is the limit in giving somebody the benefit of the doubt, right? Where is the limit in extending them grace when they screw up? And how many times do you let them screw up before you're like, okay, I see a pattern here. And that's what we're looking for. That's the takeaway. You're looking for a pattern of behavior, not a one-off screw-up experience. We're going to make mistakes. I addressed this earlier. We're human. We're gonna. It's going to happen. I make them all the time. But I don't expect anyone to continue letting me make a mistake past giving me patience and understanding and empathy at least three times. And that's my own personal 
limit. Now, you can change it if you want. Totally a personal decision. But I think two to three times is a good limit to have. And here's why. Because three makes a pattern. We learned this in elementary school. Three makes a pattern, right? So once is a mistake. Twice is like, okay, maybe they have a learning curve that needs to happen here. I don't always get it right the second time after the fir- after it was pointed out once before. It takes me a little bit longer sometimes. I like to say to people that I'm a slow learner. I know you probably don't believe that because here I am and you're the one listening to me. But with certain things that I struggle with, it takes me a minute to adjust. And what you have to realize is what goes into somebody changing the way they're behaving with you. A lot, a lot goes into somebody changing the way they behave with you. Number one, they have to comprehend what you've communicated to them. And in the world today, we got a full on comprehension problem, especially on social media. People read and react. They don't actually digest what they're reading and like think about it and and understand it or really like entertain the nuance of it. And then a lot of people don't even write it with nuance or content. It's like a whole thing, right? So they, they have to really understand it first and digest it. And then they've got to reflect on it. So they've got to make a connection to it, right? It's like if I tell you I'm a dog lover, immediately I've eliminated anyone who's not a dog lover and I've connected with everybody who is a dog lover, right? Because I've clearly communicated I love dogs, okay? When we are communicating an issue about behavior or we're communicating emotions to somebody, they have to make a connection in order to understand And then adjust appropriately. And again, that doesn't mean obey. That means adjust appropriately. Adjust in a way that is going to respect them and respect you at the end of the day. They've got to connect to it. You can't always help them do that. And if somebody is not prioritizing making that connection, they might just obey But then you'll see them stumble multiple more times because they're not even connected to the behavior that they're changing. They're just doing it because you told them to. In order to get long lasting change, somebody has to be, oh, you've heard me say this, open and willing to make that change in themselves, for themselves. It can't just be because they, somebody else told them to. They have to want to do it for them. So they have to connect to what you're telling them. They have to either connect through empathy, connect through compassion, connect through their own life experience, put themselves in your shoes and relate to you and go, ooh, I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of that. I get it. Let me make an adjustment. And let me make sure my adjustment not only respects you, but aligns with my own values too. And that takes a minute, y'all. So when you're like, hey, change right now, change is, I don't like it, change right now, and you demand it, and it's a one and done scenario, get the out of here. You have no, no patience. You have no, you know why? Because you're reactive. That's why. 
because you don't have any regulation skills. That's why. Because you're scared. That's why. You're scared of being hurt. So you're quick to demand a change instantly and extend nobody patience, nobody grace, nobody the benefit of the doubt. People will make mistakes and they need a chance and some time to make a change. So like I said, my rule of thumb is two to three times. You screw up on this thing that I've clearly communicated to you is a boundary two to three times. Now I know this is a choice because I've made you aware by communicating. So you're aware of it, right? Awareness is always step one. Step two, they got to understand you can help them through your words, but they also have to make that connection on their end. Step three is take action. It's always going to be that way. It's always going to be that way. I don't care what anyone else has written in a book. (laughs) I don't know because I don't read them. The point is that's always going to be that way. So give them the chance to get to the change and make the change. And if by by the third time of it happening, they're not taking it seriously, they're not prioritizing making that change, then uphold a firmer boundary. Now, this next one I really want to talk about. This is this is a big one. Somebody wrote because I believe at times that love is enough. And so, if they tell me they love me, then I shouldn't give up. And I I want to comment on a few things. Number 1, I've been that person. I was taught Loving somebody meant unconditionally tolerating somebody's bad behavior, abusive language. That's what I was taught. That was the definition of love in my world. That's not a healthy definition of love. And unconditional love is real, but unconditional tolerance is not unconditional love. You can love somebody unconditionally and still not tolerate mistreatment. Both of those can coexist. So problem number one here, the word and. We have to recognize both of these things can be true. I can love you and I can set a boundary with you. I can love you and not like how you're talking to me. I can love you and tell you you're hurting me. My love is not leaving because I won't tolerate mistreatment. However, my love is not leaving, but you might lose my presence if you keep mistreating me because I'm not, there's not unconditional tolerance here. I can love you from a distance. I can love you and not have to put up with you abusing me, right? Those, it's not one or the other. I can love you and I can uphold my boundary. And I can tell you, I'm not here to be treated this way or spoken to this way. And if you continue, our relationship will change. That doesn't mean I don't love you. It means I will not put up with you hurting me. A lot of people who have childhood trauma tend to group those two things as one under one umbrella. And so they tend to look at it like, Well, I guess if I love you, I have to endure the mistreatment you're throwing at me because if I don't endure it, that equals me not loving you. 
and that is not the case. So that's what we want to do here. If you're somebody who's struggling with this particular one, this submission or something similar, we need to redefine what love is and understand the power of the word and. I can love you and uphold my boundary and respect me and choose to value my time, my energy, my presence in a way where I don't feel like I'm abandoning the things I value. I can love you and I can say, I'm not going to continue talking to you if you keep treating me that way. So that's the work you want to do is redefining what love is because the concept of sometimes I think love is enough. If they tell me they love me, I should just put up with it. That's coming down to the fact that you have been through some shit in childhood and somebody has skewed your understanding of what love really is. And last but not least, there were a bunch of submissions and I'll just roll through them real quickly, that went from saying anything from, I have a disorganized attachment and I'm, oh my God, I can't talk, constantly mind effing myself. Uh, I have, I struggle with codependency. It feels very familiar to me. I fear abandonment. I fear backlash. I fear conflict. Um, I struggle with communicating my needs and concerns out of fear I'll lose the person. I don't like pushback when I get that I get when communicating boundaries. I have a lack of boundaries. <laughs> that was that was a real submission. Uh because I let people cross my boundaries. Oh, okay, I read that one. Um oh, I am used to abusive relationships. They feel very familiar to me and I lack boundary setting skills. So here's what I want to say to those of you who have an awareness of, I struggle with codependency or I, I'm overly familiar with abusive dynamics or I have a disorganized attachment style or I have an anxious attachment style or whatever, right? If you have an awareness of your struggle, then what I want you to reflect on is what are you doing about it? And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying your awareness is only step one. So having that awareness is great, but it doesn't get you very far if you're not going to do the deeper work to understand where that developed and what that pattern of behavior looks like. Now, I've got endless resources that will help you really understand your fears of conflict, your fears of abandonment. Those are all in my self-trust course. The codependency, abusive relationship stuff is something I typically do one-on-one, -on -one, but you can dive into those patterns of behavior deeper through understanding how that shows up for you and what that looks like. You can just go on my social media pages and find the posts that really speak to those particular behavioral struggles that you have, right? Like, do you self-sacrifice, right? Do you self-abandon? Well, if you have codependency, you probably do. If you have people-pleasing, you probably do, right? If you have a disorganized attachment style, you probably got a boundary issue, but you also got a, a regulation issue, and you might also have 
a warped idea of what relationship dynamics look like in a healthy way. So you can find out more about your patterns of behavior by just reflecting on yourself and how this shows up for you. What triggers it? Start there. What activates me to then default to this behavior pattern? Whatever it is, fill it in, right? Fill it in for yourself. What activates me? What's the trigger? Work off of that first. That's a good starting point because number one, if you can identify the trigger, then you can identify where you need a boundary, but also where you need some regulation tools. Then from there, you can work on changing what that pattern of behavior looks like. It's not a lost cause. This just takes you kind of deconstructing things through some time and effort in self-reflecting, okay? Those of you who fear conflict, fear abandonment, fear backlash, you're going to want to work on building up your self-trust, okay? Because if you trust yourself, that fear starts to dwindle. Now, there is a level of trauma there, and I cover that in my self-trust course. Like I said, that course currently is closed um, for enrollment, but will be reopening in the the March, in March of 2024. (laughs) My God. (laughs) Listen, forgive me, okay? I'm out of breath. I'm almost nine months pregnant. Like I will hit nine months exactly in a couple days. I am, I am shocked. I'm saying so much interesting stuff right now in that it's forming full sentences with the amount of exhaustion I'm feeling. Uh, if you realize that you have a struggle, it is your responsibility to go to the next step of understanding why that struggle exists and what activates it, okay? So if you needed a breakdown of step-by-step, that's what it is. If I can say I struggle with people-pleasing, my next step is to sit down and ask myself, okay, what, what settings, what relationships does this pattern show up in? When do I tend to people please? What comes up for me emotionally? That's the hard part of this work that a lot of people want to avoid and think, I'll just sign up for therapy or coaching or whatever, and they'll handle that for me. We will. We will. But we're still going to ask you the tough questions. So you can ask yourself the tough questions. It sometimes feels easier when you're sitting in front of us, but if you don't have that resource readily accessible, like right now my one-on-one services are not available for people to sign up for until after I give birth. So I'm giving you other options. There are courses that will walk you through this that I have, and or you could just sit down and utilize the free stuff and do the hard work. It is hard though. I'm not going to lie. I empathize with that. So we'll end it there. That was part two. That wrapped up the remainder of the questions, honestly, because, I mean, although there were a bunch, there were a lot of similarities in the questions. Like I said, like the, the last bit was a lot of people with the recognition of their behavior pattern, but not doing anything other than saying, I struggle with boundaries. Well, if you struggle with boundaries, then your focus should be on 
learning how to communicate, set and uphold a boundary and be really connected to it. Okay. So I'm going to leave you there. Uh, and you know what? We'll, we'll try. We'll try for another episode right after the holiday before I take a hiatus with baby <laughs> once, once baby arrives in the new year. Uh, so we'll shoot for one more. We're going to, we're going to hold our breath on that one, but we're going to, we're going to try for one more before we're on pause for a little bit so I can get acclimated to this new chapter of my life. If you want to keep up with me and what is going on in terms of, you know, not just the, the guidance and, and the insight that I provide you, but also what's going on in my life and and when I give birth and things like that, you can follow me on any of my Instagram accounts at Amy the Life Coach or at Amy Fiedler Says. At Amy Fiedler Says will have more personal photos, obviously. Uh, at Amy the Life Coach will have more of the guidance and the insight and all of the stuff we talk about here on the podcast. And obviously, my boundary setting for Trauma Survivors course will be reopening for enrollment in January, the beginning of January, so right after the new year, that will be opening. You can get on the wait list. Uh, You can do that from my Instagram page. You can do that by clicking the link that I'm going to put in the episode description of this episode as well. But I hope this provided you more understanding of yourself and your behaviors and why you put up with too much and what you need to do next because really that's the value of these episodes it's not just like let's just talk to talk <laughs> I'm not out here for ratings you know it's nice your your reviews matter listeners matter but at the end of the day if I'm helping you and I'm giving you the information you need and you can make changes in your life, that means the world to me. So please share that with me though, because that's what keeps me going here. I don't make a penny off of this podcast. This is just another resource to share what I know and to help you. So if you can take a second on uh, Apple Podcasts or on Spotify to leave me a five-star review and a little blurb about how this is helping you or message me on Instagram, I love to hear from you and how my podcast brings you value. Until then, have a wonderful holiday and we will chat soon.